0: All right. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, if you'd go to Genesis, we'll begin with chapter 39 and verse 23. As we continue, we began a series that are themes and principles from the life of Joseph. Themes and principles from the life of Joseph. In this um, first sermon, two parts... Just an overview of Joseph's life. An overview of Joseph's life. So Genesis 39, verse 23. And the Bible says, The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever or wherever he did or was. Amen. Now let's go to Genesis 37 and we'll start with verse number one to read through verse 11. The overview of Joseph's life. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Billah, and the sons of Zippah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel or Jacob, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. (laughs) Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen, I had a dream. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf arose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to mine. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he said, hey, I had another dream. And he told it to his brothers, listen. I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now we'll be in this series for another few weeks, but... The overview of Joseph's life. Now, this is an exciting story, the story of Joseph. Especially when you can see the hand of God in every scene. He's ruling and He's overruling. He's working His plan. He's unfolding His purpose. He's bringing to pass His good promise regardless in spite of circumstances that seemed contrary, in spite of the human frailties and the evil opposition. But every step of the way, Every step of the way. And in the end, God worked it for the good. And brought His promise to pass. And for Joseph, well, like they used to say, you can't keep a good man down, especially when he's walking with God. Amen? And we see that in Joseph's life. So Joseph, he knew the pain. He knew the pain of family rejection. Joseph, he understood the humiliation of being sold as a slave. The sorrow of separation from loved ones. He endured the demands of forced hard work in a foreign land and of course he endured the temptations of this world and the helplessness of false accusation and unjust condemnation. He knew what it was to be forgotten. He knew what it was to be thrown into prison for something he did not do. But these experiences were ultimately used by God to turn a boy into a man and a servant into a ruler. And he was faithful over a few things. So in the end, God entrusted him with many things. You know, Joseph's life can give us a good example and many helpful, beneficial lessons for living in the present world that we live in. How Joseph was able to function and carry himself in such a spiritually foreign place, in such an emotionally hard and dark place, yet through it all, He kept his moral purity and integrity. He remained consistently upright before God. Through it all, his professional workmanship remained excellent. And God was able to bless him wherever he was put. Regardless of the road. That Joseph was forced to travel. Because how many know this morning, we don't always get to choose the road life makes us travel. Regardless of the road, he was forced to travel. He took the high road. And like we are able to say about Daniel in Babylon, Joseph, yes, he was in Egypt, but praise God, Egypt never got into Joseph. He went from prison to the palace. He forgave those that wronged him and he recognized it was the hand of the living God that had guided him and kept him and led him all along the way. And in the end, we find him faithful and he fulfilled his purpose. He saved his family. He fed the nations. May we do likewise. An overview of Joseph's life. Last week we said, number one, Joseph's life was pivotal. Influential. His life had a great effect on those around him. Every step of the way. Every stop along the way. In our lives, your life carries influence. Our presence, our example, our choices, our words have influence. They affect the world around us the question we always have to ask ourselves is which way am I steering them? How is my life influencing those that are around me? Joseph's life was pivotal, influential. Our lives as believers were called to shine the light that men might see the reality and the goodness and the greatness of the living God. Joseph's life was pivotal. Joseph's life was providential, we said last time. His life was directed by divine care, divine guidance and orchestration, the hand of the living God, not just the hands of circumstances, not not just the, 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 the life and how we live, but it was the hand of the living God that steered, navigated His life. God took even the darkest of events and He actually used them as stepping stones to move Joseph into the place and into the position, into the promise that God had spoken. And even when Joseph couldn't see the hand of God, and certainly when he had to be wondering, where is my God? Even then, God was working in his life. And that's something we all need to lay hold of. And we all need to remember that God is working. And God is helping. And God is with us. Sometimes we can't recognize it. Sometimes we wonder, where is He now? But don't you ever be afraid. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. And so wherever this life takes you, one thing as a child of God you can be confident of. He's with me and He's for me and He walks with me and He talks with me. I might not be able to hear Him. I might not be able to sense Him. But by faith I know the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me and He'll never forsake me. Can you say Amen? Joseph's life was providential. And Joseph's ability to have that perspective, to have the right perspective, to understand God's hand was in control of his life. That's one thing that enabled Joseph to stay faithful, to stay pure, to stay positive all along the way. He didn't lose his resolve when others would have given up and quit. He didn't lose his restraint where others just would have let it out and unleashed their anger and their frustration. He didn't lose his righteous walk. He stayed faithful. And he stayed holy. He stayed righteous through it all. And in the end, he was able to look at those that had harmed him the most and declare, you meant it for evil, but God has turned it for the good. I thank the Lord He can still turn it around. And let's not forget the dream. The dream that brought such hatred from his brothers and his enemy. But the dream that brought such comfort and faith to the heart of Joseph. Remember, the dream that God gave Joseph. It's like the word of the promises that God gives us. When Joseph was going through the roughest roads, the darkest hour. He had a dream. He could remember back to what God had spoken, to what God had promised. And in the same way, you and I have the Holy Bible that when we go through the rough places of life, when we go through situations we didn't expect, we didn't see, we certainly didn't do anything to deserve it, and life feels like it's going to knock us down and keep us there, we can wrap our arms around the loving promises of God's Word, and we can be confident and assured: He that began a good work in our lives, He's going to finish that work he's going to be our shield he's going to be our shade he's going to hold us in the hollow of his hand and there's no devil in duran oh that can steal us or snatch us the lord who began this work he's going to carry it on to completion and all those precious promises we stand on and we lean on and even when it seems like life has knocked us down when we understand god's providence our god reigns our god reigns And we belong to Him. And we understand God's providence. And we believe God's promises. That enables us to get back up and go on. Face life. Meet it, greet it, and defeat it. But do not be overwhelmed by it. Even when life knocks us down. Understanding God's providence. Embracing God's promises. Will help us rise again. And revive again. And drive on again. You know sometimes life knocks you down. Paul Harvey. Remember old Paul Harvey? Now for the rest of the story. Amen. Paul Harvey said one time, he goes, Someday I hope to enjoy enough of what the world calls success that if somebody asks me what's the secret of it, I can say I get up when I fall down. And I think that's true for a believer. We get up not only when we fall down, but sometimes life knocks us down. But because we understand the providence of God, that all things He's working together... That even the ugliness of man God is able to use to further us and to bring us closer to Him. That whatever life goes against us, life is never out of the control of the arms of our loving God. And in that, even when I don't understand Him, I can trust Him. Even when I can't perceive why or how come, I know I can rest on His unchanging love. I know that His mercies endureth forever. I know that His faithfulness is great and He'll never fail me or forsake me. I know His providence. He is working. He is guiding. He is holding me close. And I understand His promises are yes and amen. If He said I can have grace, He's going to give me grace to endure. If I can have wisdom, He'll give me wisdom to decide. If He said He'll give me strength, then I'll be able to stand, having done all to stand. It's a beautiful thing to recognize. Our God is a God of providence. He goes before us. He able to hold us, working all things together for his good Joseph understood he was pivotal a pivotal life you have a pivotal life your life influences others always ask yourself how am I influencing my family how am I influencing my co-workers how am I influencing my other brothers and sisters is God able to use me to encourage them to lead them forward in the righteous path Joseph understood his life was providential and so was yours His life was not directed by a roll of the dice or merely just the choices and circumstances that men threw against him. But there was the hand of the living God ruling and overruling. Even taking the ugliness of men and working something in Joseph's life. Number three, Joseph's life was prosperous. Joseph's life was blessed. We read that in Genesis 39. And there's other scriptures regardless of where he was, the Bible says, and God was with him, and whatever he did prospered. And God was with him, and wherever he was, he brought blessing. Some people bring, like we say, agida wherever they go. Amen. They go. But Joseph was put in a hard place, and he brought blessing. Joseph was put in an unkind place, and he brought blessing. What a man of God. And because of that, God was able to bless him wherever life put him. God was able to use him wherever he wound up. Joseph's life was prosperous. And God reveals his success to us so we can study some of the principles of his life from the Word of God. We can learn how to believe in the hard times and how to win while we're waiting. How to enable us to wait properly and not give in to that dream thief called time. But we can recognize, even if the answer doesn't come tomorrow, if God said it, He'll do it. If God spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. We can learn how to respond to the um, injustice and the um, unfairness of life. But how to respond to them as a godly man or a godly woman. We can learn how to function in a fallen world with unkind and fallen people but how to do it without losing out with God. Oh, folks, I don't want to lose out with God. It's bad enough what man would do. It's bad enough to have to live in a world that's fallen and corrupt. But I don't want to lose out with God. I don't want to um, tarnish my testimony. I don't want to be disqualified from the dream. I certainly don't want to weaken in my witness. And I learned from the life of Joseph how to carry myself even when everything seems to be working against it, but carry myself in a way where God can be pleased with me and God can smile upon me and I don't miss out with God. You see, the dreams that Joseph had were God's revelations and communications. Promises to Joseph that that God had a plan for his life. That that God had a purpose for his life. That God wanted to use him. That God was going to use him as his vessel to do his will in the earth. And remember, God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for our lives. God has a desire for each one of us. We, 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 can, we can write our name down. God has revealed it through His Word. God has communicated it through His Word. In the same way He spoke to Joseph through dreams, revealing to Joseph, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I'm going to do something wonderful for you. We have the Bible that gives us promise after promise, declaring, decreeing, revealing, communicating the heart of our Father towards His Son's and daughters. He says, I've got a will for you, and it's a good will, not an evil will. I've got a plan for you and that's to bless you and to make you a blessing. I've got an ultimate purpose for you, that you be conformed into the image of my Son and that you be fruitful in your walk and fruitful in your talk. Glory be to God forever and forever. You and I have the promises of God that God would say, listen, I want you to walk in my blessing. I want you to enjoy my blessing. John 15 and verse 16. How Jesus said, You have not chosen Me, but I have chosen you. And I chose you not just to be saved, but I chose you to be fruitful. I chose you to be blessed. I chose you to be blessed so you might be a blessing to your world. That you might bear fruit. And when you bear fruit, you don't eat the fruit. Somebody else eats the fruit. He says, I want you to know, i got a plan for your life. I've got a purpose for your life. If you hear, Hear the voice of the Lord this morning. Know that you know your circumstances can hinder it. The path life has thrown upon you cannot stop it. But God declares, you haven't chosen me. I chose you. When you chose me, that was a response to my choosing you. And I've called you and I love you. And it's not just to get to heaven someday. It's for the here and now that your life might be blessed and your life might release blessing. Come on, say amen. Amen. Yeah. Oh, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Why am I stuck in this ugly job? Because God hath need of thee. Oh, why am I put in this place with all these crazy people? This the Lord needs a vessel. The Lord needs a voice. The Lord needs an instrument. Oh, Lord, I'm stuck in this family. Nobody loves God. They're all gossiping. They're all this and that. Why am I here? This God wants to shine some light in a dark place. And you are it. Come on, touch your neighbor. Tag, you're it. Tag. You're it. Oh, you're it. You're it. You're it. Stop looking for someone else. God says, I got you right where I want you. Come on. Say amen. Hallelujah. Oh, you didn't choose me, Jesus. I chose you. Woo! Someone says, I never get chosen. You chosen now chosen by Jesus, the kickball team didn't want you, but Jesus said, "I'm taking you, I'm taking you. You're up, Kick that ball. I'm Romonda. Hey, Kango Robo I chose you, and you've been appointed. No, no, not just to wait to heaven. you've been appointed to be fruitful. And others want to eat the fruit from your life. Others want to get refreshed from your life. Others are going to get hope from your life. Others are going to get grace. From your life. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Bless His name. Bless His name. Glory be to God. God says, I got a plan for you. And it's a good plan. God says, I got plans for you. God says, I've got plans for you. Go ahead and I've got plans for you. Jeremiah tells us, God says, listen, I've got some plans for you. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. And they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Let's look at it. I know the, God says, I got plans for you. And someone's here today thinking God's overlooking me. Are you crazy? That's right. God's got plans for you. That's right. He's saying, get with it. Let's get with the program. Right, He's sitting around waiting. No, God says, stop waiting. Start starting to start going. That's God says, I got plans for you. Right. You waiting for plans? God says, I already got the plans. Right. I know the plans I have for you, to to the Lord. And they're plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Don't be afraid of doing God's will. Don't be afraid of putting Jesus first. Don't be afraid of following the path God has ordained. They're, they're pro- not to harm you. That world will harm you. Disobedience will harm you. Procrastination will harm you. Woo! Glory. That's right. That's true. That's true. Amen. Making excuses not to follow God wholehearted, That'll harm you. But oh, putting Jesus first, that won't harm you. Doing the will of God, that's not going to harm you. Well, you might get some bumps and bruises. Plans to prosper. you do not have to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Oh, my. Oh, my. Joseph's life was prosperous. And God blessed it because he chose to take the high road. Regardless of what road life forced him to go down. He made up his mind, I'm going to be godly. He made up his mind, I'm going to keep my purity and my integrity. And I'm going to obey the Lord and have a God consciousness wherever I am. And therefore, God was able to use him. And God was able to make him a blessing, not a hindrance to his world. And God says in the same way, those dreams kept motivating Joseph. Because God had revealed to him, I've got something for you, son. And when things didn't look good, he kept holding on to that dream. said, but God spoke. And God can't lie. The living God, He said this. I know He's going to work things out. I don't know how He's going to do it. None of this seems to make sense. But I know what I heard. I know what I saw. I know what God said. Let God be true. And every man a liar. Come on, say Amen. If God said it, He'll do it. If God spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. And so the dreams are motivating Him. And because the dreams motivate Him to stay pure and holy, regardless of what life comes god was able to use him god he didn't disqualify himself from being a useful vessel which complaining would have done and bitterness would have done and throwing off restraint would have done we could have disqualified ourselves from god using our lives but god says i want you to learn from joseph because he carried himself properly i was able to use him In the prison, I was able to use him when he had thrown in prison, trumped up charges of rape, and God still blessed him. God still using him. I mean, you can't keep a man down when God says I'm going to lift him up. Come on. Mm. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. God says I want to give you hope in a future. Will you give me your life? Will you really give me your life? Will you surrender your plans and take mine? God says, I want to use you. But it won't be the way you want it. You don't write the script. We bow and submit our lives and say, where He leads me, I will follow. But when we do that, He takes us, common clay. He takes us, earthen vessels, frailties, weaknesses. Amen? He takes our baldness, our bulges, our bifocals, our bunions, and He uses it for His glory. Hallelujah. But we got to submit. Isn't that right? We got to yield. Waiting for God. God, now God's not going to fit your thing. You got to fit God's thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God says, I got plans for you. Will you give me your life? I got plans for you. Will you surrender the bitterness, surrender the complaining? Will you give me your life and do what I want you to do? And it's all by grace. I know you didn't earn it, but you can have to respond to it. It's all by grace. It's nothing we achieved. But he says in Jeremiah 1, While you were still in your mother's womb, I knew you. Can you imagine that? God said, I knew you, and even there I chose you. And the choosing of God is a choosing, not just a mental knowing, an affectionate choosing. God says, I've wanted you from your mother's womb. God says, I've had plans for you from mama's womb. (sighs) Go ahead, Jeremiah 1. Wow, hallelujah. You see, it's all by grace, but I have to respond to the grace. It's all by grace. But I have to respond to that grace. Before I formed you. Who formed you? God. Who formed you? God. Yeah, you better believe it. Amen. You better believe it. Formed. Made. In the image of my creator. No one orangutan either. Come on. Image of God. Hallelujah. Formed in the image of God. Then redeemed. By the blood of God. ho, oh, ho, ho. Because after I was formed, I rebelled, and so did you. After I was formed, and he had a plan, I I sinned, and I did my own thing, and so did you. But he didn't just form me, then he purchased me back. Wow. Before I formed you in the womb, he said, I knew you. Then knowing not merely with just intellectual facts, but a knowing of affection, God said, I loved you. I loved you before your parents ever set eyes on you. And I set you apart. God said, you're not just one in a zillion. You are unique. You are special. You are one of a kind. Someone looked at their neighbor. I knew he was one of a kind. No. Uh, (laughs) I I appointed you. I set you apart. I set you apart. And I appointed you. Oh, my Lord. Oh, how wonderful it is. To know this great God, to understand His love for us, to understand His purpose for us. And like Joseph, understanding these beautiful truths doesn't mean that life will be trial free or that life will be trouble free. Our existence will not be void of every challenge and every heartache and every tear. Hell will try to hinder us from being the ones God's called us to be. Men will try and attempt to frustrate the glorious dream and purpose of God from coming to pass. But like Joseph, if our attitude and our response remains right before God, regardless then, 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 like Joseph... The setting or the circumstance or the opposition will not be able to hinder the blessing of God from falling afresh upon our life. For when God chooses to bless you, all the devils in hell can't stop it. Joseph was blessed. Every step of the way, regardless of circumstance. Don't equate circumstance with blessing. Don't equate comfort with blessing. And the Bible gives us a pattern in the life of Joseph. How God was with him. And God was working out his plan. Regardless. What are some of the principles of walking in God's blessing? There's many, many principles. It's a series all by itself. What are some of the principles from the Bible? To walk in the blessing of God. Again, not exempting us from trial. Not exempting us from heartache. But to walk in a way where the Father smiles on us, is pleased with us, and He can use our life in the measure and degree He desires to. What are some of the principles? We find one principle in Psalm chapter number 1, where the psalmist said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stand in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scorners but his delight is in the law of the Lord in that law he meditates day and night he shall be like a tree planted by a river of living water he bears fruit in season his leaves don't wither and whatever he does it shall prosper one way we prosper is by rejecting worldly wisdom and ungodly counsel and the cultural acceptance and the cultural norms of the world in which we live. But we delight in a higher law. We delight in the law of our God. And in that law we meditate. In that law we contemplate. In that law we feed on it. So we can walk in it. And it can work in us. But one principle, if we want the blessing of God, avoid ungodly and worldly wisdom and worldly counsel. Delight and do not disregard. Thus saith the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. But there's more than that. We don't just delight in the Word. We don't just reject worldly wisdom and carnal philosophy and what men say is okay. God might say is damnable. So I need to delight in the Word that is true. I need to delight in the pattern that is pure. I need to give my life over to that which God has said. Walk in this way and I'll smile on you. This is the way. Walk ye in it. But it's not enough just to shun the wicked. I must apply the Word to my life. I must practice what I've learned. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 where God says, Joshua, you're going to go into a land of promise. There'll be enemies, but I want to give you the victory. Somebody. God says you might be facing a battle, but I want to give you victory. If you don't hear anything else, God says that next season of life you're facing, I want to give you victory. I want to give you great victory. I want to use you and make you a blessing. The enemy will try to hinder. The enemy will try to confuse you. But I want you to know that be strong and of a good courage. Don't you be afraid for I'm going to be with you. And here's going to be your key. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth, but you meditate on that book day and night so that way you can do everything that's written in it. Then you'll find the prosperity and then you'll find the success that only God can give you. So it's not enough just to say, I'm shunning the world's wisdom. I'm delighting in the Word. I have to practice the Word. The blessings in the doing, not just in the believing. Can you say amen? And as I do the Word, I'm building my house upon a rock. A rock that'll stand the storms. Many of you are here this morning and you've gone through some stuff. You've endured some storms. There were things that would have crushed lesser men and women. There are things that would have caused the phony balonies to backslide and run back to the world. You're here today lifting your hands and giving praise to God because your life is built on the rock of His Word, the certainty of the Word, the strength of His Word. Glory be to God forever, forever and forever. There are principles in that Bible. Save yourself the $500 of going some success therapy. I got the greatest success therapy you'll ever want. It's called the B-I-B-L-E. And if you'll walk in this and build your life on this, you'll allow the working and blessing and smile of heaven to be upon your life. We learn, number one, I gotta reject some worldly, worldly wisdom says okay to leave her. Worldly wisdom says okay to lie on the job. Worldly wisdom says abort it if it's getting in your way. Oh, there's a lot of wisdom out there that the world applauds, that presidents say yes to, that governors and judges say this is the way to live. But i got news for someone. There is a greater judge. There is a greater lawgiver. He sits on high, but thank God he comes down low. And he rules and he reigns. And his word is yes and his word is amen. Now, if I'm going to walk in success, i got to start shunning some worldly wisdom, some carnal philosophy of living, and delight in the book and build my life. Lie upon saith the Lord. Amen. Well, there's more. I want to walk in God's God's definition of success. I have to. I have to. I have to have a humble and broken heart before God. You have these success therapies in the church. They're trying to give you Christian principles without Christ. It's not just following Bible principles. It's giving one's life to the Christ to that Bible. I really want the blessing of God. It demands a surrendered and yielded life to God. I don't just use God as we'd use some self-help book. I don't use that Bible, just some carnal philosophy of stirring us up. No, 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 no. It's so I can walk with the God of that book. It's so I can have a personal relationship with the God of that book. There is a God that wants to exalt us. There is a God that wants to lift us up when life wants to hold us down and keep us in defeat. But in order for Him to lift me up to the place of fruitfulness and usefulness, I have to submit my life. I have to surrender my life. Have you made a fresh surrender to Jesus lately? Have you made a fresh surrender to Jesus lately? He's not the one on trial. We're the one on trial. Peter is able to say, Peter was able to, first Peter five and six, that if I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, He will lift me up in due season. Humble yourselves. Who does the humbling? We do. We do. We humble ourselves under God's hand. We say, Lord, I'm yours, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for thinking I could run things. I'm sorry, Lord. I've been saved 50 years and I still try to act like I'm in charge. Lord, I submit to you. I surrender afresh to you. Have your way in my life. Whatever you want, let it be. God says, if I humble myself under His mighty hand, then in due time, in the right season, God says, I'll lift you up. And I want you to know, no one can hold you down when Jesus says it's time to lift you up. The world will try to hold you down past defeats and past trials and chaos will try to keep you down. But the Lord says, if you'll humble your heart and make a fresh surrender to Me, I will lift you up and I will bless you and I will use you. And one more thing. Ah, this is just a short little, little, little thing. we got a, a lot on success, but I'll give you another one success. If you want God's success, you've got to be willing to fight the good fight and endure the cross. Go ahead, throw that next one up there, boys. Hallelujah. You're going to be successful? You're going to have to get back up. After life knocks you down, you're going to have to confess, I zigged when I should have zagged. You have to be honest enough to say, I missed it, Lord. Forgive me. Come on. I have to be able to say, Lord, I thought I was doing right. I look back, man, I don't know what I was thinking. Lord, forgive me. And God, who is rich in mercy. You see, if you want to be blessed of God, you've got to have a fighter spirit, you've got to have a persevering spirit. You can't give up. Every time God doesn't do it your way. You can't give up Anytime life hits you with a tornado, because we all get hit with tornadoes. The Bible clearly says, let us not become weary in doing good. Have you ever grown weary in doing good? Have you ever grown weary in trying to keep the faith? Have you ever grown weary uh, when when life is just unrelenting and the trial is long and the storm just won't let up? Have you ever felt weary? Anyone felt weary in doing good? Of course we have! I Bible says, don't become weary doing good. You just keep believing. You just keep trusting. If you've got to do it through the tears, you keep praising. If you've got to do it with the hardness in the heart, a brokenness in the heart, you just keep seeking me. Let's not become weary doing good. For God says, in due season, at the proper time, God says, you will reap if you don't give up. If you don't faint. If you don't give up, God says when the time comes, finally the time came for Joseph. It was over a decade. The time finally came. And the dream became a reality. And all the seemingly failures and frustrations wiped away as God moved them into his divine place and his divine purpose. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. God is good. Tell somebody, God is good. My Lord, He's so good to us. The last point, let's get this one together. Joseph's life was pivotal. Joseph's life was providential. Joseph's life is overview. He is prosperous. Joseph's life was pure. Joseph's life was proven. Proven. We see this. Joseph had some tough times. Some really tough times come his way. He always seemed to endure and rise above them. He shows us that you can live this life in the midst of an ungodly people, an ungodly society. He stood against the pressures of a pagan society, of a worldly philosophy that was all around him. He defied sin. He lived for God wherever He was. And so can we. We can live for Jesus in this fallen world, in this morally confused culture. We can live for Jesus. If you're the only one saved in your family, you can live strong for Jesus. If you're the only one saved amidst a bunch of corrupt co-workers, you can live for Jesus. If you're the only one in your school And the others want to reject purity and reject integrity and choose to neglect the faith of their father. Student, you can live faithful and pure before the Lord. Even if the surroundings are doing something totally contrary, like Joseph, he gives us an example, there will be tests in our life. Life comes with tests. It's part of the Christian experience. But we can recognize that our God is able... To give us grace to meet every test. And that He will not allow us to be tempted above what we are able. And whatever we face, He'll give us an inward grace to overcome it. To get through it, we'll take our blows. We might get knocked down. We'll shed our tears. But by the grace of God, we rise up. We walk on. We won't lose our song. We refuse to lay down and relinquish our faith. We will keep trusting Him. We will keep loving Him. We will keep enduring what we have to endure. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, knowing that He began the work, He'll complete the work. His promise will come to pass in my life. Joseph's life was pure and it was proven. He faced temptation after temptation. He prevailed. Three main areas that I want to touch on, and I guess it took me this long to figure out the PowerPoint's not working out there. Um, three things that Joseph faced in his life. I wish you could see this, but he faced, number one, the test of pain or self-pity. Three areas of the life of Joseph that he was proven and he was tested. If he doesn't pass these tests, if he doesn't pass these tests, he'll be disqualified from that dream. He faced, number one, the test of pain. The test of pain. You see, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And the Bible teaches us that our faith is always tested. It's tested to prove that it's real. It's tested so it will become stronger and help us grow. It's tested that it will bring glory to God. It's tested that our sincerity and genuineness can be proven true. It's tested that our character might be perfected. It's tested that our faith might be purified. Now, when we're tested, we, we should not... Struggle with it. We should not think it strange. I mean, Jesus was tested and Jesus was tempted. In fact, the tail end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus in obedience went and got baptized. And when he came out of the water, if you remember the story from heaven, the Father speaks forth his approval and his appreciation. as Thou art my beloved Son, and who I am well pleased. And the Spirit came upon him. Joseph went from one, Jesus went from a beautiful act of obedience and the approval, the public approval of his father, being filled with the Spirit, to being led into a lonely, dry, barren wilderness. The very next chapter begins, and Jesus was led of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit drives him into a place to be tried and tested and proven. Now, Joseph's life was similar to this, and so is ours. Jesus passed the test in the wilderness. And I thank God He did, or you and I wouldn't be here this morning. Our salvation would have been disqualified had He not proven Himself. But Joseph's life, it shows us that just because we are a blessed people, just because we are chosen, we cannot avoid being proven. We cannot avoid being perfected. We cannot avoid being purified by the trials and temptations of life. Number one, I want you to think about the test of pain. The test of self-pity. Joseph never would have became the man and the leader that he was if somehow he did not overcome all the injustice, all the abuse, all the forsakenness. The question we have to ask ourselves this morning, how do I handle the hurt? What do I do... With the hurt. Joseph's brothers sell him as a slave. He's thrown into prison for doing right. He's forgotten by people he helped. He was abused physically, psychologically, emotionally. Watch your woundedness. One of the areas that we have to pass the test if we're going to finish our race is pass the test of pain and self-pity. Because we all get hurt. We all go through times when we cry ourselves to sleep. We all go through times when we wonder, this is inconsistent. This doesn't make sense. This hurts. We feel like falling apart. Watch your woundedness. Don't allow it to infect the rest of your life. Don't allow it to be a constant open door for the enemy to abuse you and afflict you and torment you. Joseph seemed to know how to handle the offenses and the disappointments, the injustices. Without that, being able to somehow take the pain to God and take our hurt to the one that's the healer of a broken heart, that becomes an emotional crippling to many. It becomes a lasting poison to someone's personality. It begins to afflict And affect someone's walk and someone's thinking. The refusal to bring our pain to God and allow Him. Not that, not that it all goes away, but He can take a rawness out of it. He can take a a guilt out of it. He's able to somehow minister into our lives that enables us to walk on without being bitter, without being angry, without saying, I'll never trust again. Those that cannot deal with these things tend to become bitter. Bound with fears and insecurities. Angry. It's so important to take every hurt and every pain to Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was anointed to heal broken hearts. And I want someone to know this morning that anointing is still upon Jesus Christ. And He is still able to heal wounded hearts. He is able to touch hearts that have been damaged by abuse and damaged by affliction and damaged by the chaos and the confusion and the traumas of this life. We can't avoid these things. It's part of living in a fallen world. But we have to ask ourselves, how will I handle the hurt? Without allowing it to cripple my walk with God. Without allowing it to somehow poison my, my my love towards my fellow man and, and just make me someone I don't want to be. How do we handle it? Joseph was able to handle it. And I call on you today. Bring your pain to Jesus. Bring your hurt to Jesus. It doesn't give us amnesia, but He is able to minister. He can reach into areas the psychiatrist can't see. He can touch areas that a pill cannot affect. There is a healing. His name is Jesus. As we walk in this life, as we walk as men and women of God, we have to learn how to pass the test of pain. It happens. We're forsaken. We're rejected. There's this loyalty. There's a knife in the back. There's a trauma. There's a disease. And we don't know what to do. And it hurts us. And it's able to really cripple us. We don't learn how to take every burden and take every need and just lay out before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm hurting, please help me Lord, this thing has broken me I'm bitter, cleanse me Lord, I don't know what else to say but I know this thing is working me over would you please touch me and work your sovereign work within me test of pain could have became self-pity test of pain could have just became angry with everyone what's wrong with that person? well, they lost their dog. What's wrong wrong with this one? And even if it's something terrible, but 20 years later, it's still corrupting where Jesus is able. Jesus is able. Joseph had enough to give him an attitude and a half. Joseph had enough things go with him that he had every excuse to hate God, to hate the brethren, to hate. But he passed The test of pain. And somehow he was able to bring all that ugliness to God and allow God to do what only God can do. He passed the test of passion when he was the attempt of seduction. How many people lose it because of flesh? We live in such a fleshly world, marriages fall apart as people fail. Adultery. People go to prison, supposedly Christians, but now their business is not proper. They're lying and they're doing things. And there's the test of passion. You know the story how he kept his coat. He left his coat, but he kept his character. And in this world, there's some things we just got to leave. And some things we better never let go of. And in this world, everyone's tempted. Temptation comes to all. But we have to recognize that God has given me a grace to say no to temptation. And it could be a fleshly thing, an immoral thing. It could be a business thing. You name it, you name it. Various temptations that will disqualify God's person from being the one God's called him to be. Well, God forgive me? God will forgive you, but you still might never become what He's called you to be. We can't play with that. He understood his sin was against God. Don't let the flesh disqualify you from God's dream. And lastly, there was the test of power. When he comes to the end, when Joseph finally arrives, he stays humble and he takes it all in stride. He knew how to handle the blessing. You see, adversity knocks some people out, but prosperity knocks other people out. And when the tables are finally turned, and when you now have the upper hand, will you still take the high road? Will you still forgive? Will you still be like Joseph? Like Jesus? Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God, I forgive you. You know, there's a test when you're finally blessed. I know some Christians, I hate to say it, but i got to pray, Lord, don't bless them too much. They'd be better off going bankrupt. At least their family stay saved. But when they're blessed, they can't find God's house. Now some people are too blessed. Maybe you can't handle the blessing. If you can't handle the blessing, God God might take that blessing away. Some people get the blessing and then all of a sudden, they're, they're haughty and they're pious. But Joseph, not only did he handle the test of pain, to be able to properly deal with everything that happened to him, unfairly, unjustly, Someone that had a dream from God. His dream didn't lead him right to a throne. Didn't lead him to a palace. Lead him to a prison. Lead him to pain. Leaded him to brokenness and abuse. But yet somehow, he wouldn't let those things pervert him. He wouldn't allow those things to poison him. And it doesn't mean we avoid things because we all go through things. Terrible things. But how do we handle the hurt? How do we handle the hurt? Jesus says, bring it to me. Jesus has, let me work in your life. Jesus says, let me minister in a way where only I can. And like Joseph, pass the test of pain. But then, pass the test of passion. Because in this world, it's a fallen world. It's a seductive world. Whether it's the TV, whether it's the morality of this age. Yeah, if it feels good, do it and all that other nonsense. And you will be tempted. You are tempted like anyone that walks in a fallen world. There's temptations of every different form and fabric. But like Joseph, we must be able to say, how can I do such a thing and sin against God? Recognize God is with me. Have a God consciousness when you're in public, when you're in private, when you're home, when you're on the job. And live pure and holy by the grace of God. Totally. Completely. We live with integrity. We live with honesty. We live as righteous men and women. And lastly, when you get blessed and God begins to lift you up and God begins to bring you to that place and position that He could really use you and you really begin to see things unfolding and God's promise is coming to pass. We passed that last test. Can you pass the test of blessing? Like Joseph passing the test of power. When you finally get to that place and the tables are turned, can you show grace? Can you keep taking the high road? Can you handle it like Jesus handled it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. The life of Joseph is an example for us, a model for us. So as we close, I ask you, is your heart right with God? If you're here today and you haven't received Christ, don't leave until you give Jesus your life. I'm not asking if you've been religious. I'm not asking if you're a good person as far as... Generally speaking, I'm asking, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you said, Lord, forgive me of my sins? I put my faith in you and what you did on the cross. To hear today, maybe you have said that prayer, but you know things aren't right. Well, take this time at the altar. Make it right. Say, Lord, I need to make a fresh commitment. Lord, there's some things. My house is not in order. I need to get some things in order, Lord. I want to walk with you, Lord. I don't want to grieve you, Holy Spirit. So I ask you, if your heart right with God, if not, please, please. Nothing more important than making sure the heart's right with God. We're here today in just a moment. We're going to pray our final prayer. Sing our final song. We're going to open the altar. God's house is called a house of prayer. We're going to open the altar. And if you would like, if you would like prayer, please come and stand and we'll pray with you. We'll believe God with you. Regardless, whatever the need is, we'll believe together. Or maybe you just um, would like to come and take a few minutes and pray. And say, Lord, help me to be like Joseph. Help me to be a vessel you can use, regardless of where life takes me. Maybe you're going through a test this morning. Maybe you're really going through the trial. If You'd like to come and suspend some time, saying, Lord, help me to get through this. Give me the strength to take the high road. If you'll do that, someone will come and pray with you. Believe God that you can get back out there and fight that good fight of faith. Be the one that God has called and be the one that God can use. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand with me, please. Let's pray our prayer. Hallelujah. After I get done praying, if you would like to pray, please come. If you would like prayer, please come. But let's remember the life of Joseph. God is looking for men and women. That he could use in all circumstances. That he could use regardless. We pray, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the life of Joseph and this wonderful example, this pattern, these principles that you've given us in your Word. Joseph was uh, tested. And Joseph was proven. And Joseph came through victoriously. And Lord, we want to do the same. Like Jesus and like Joseph. Father, when our time of testing and temptation comes, help us to respond as men and women of God. Help us to be perfected and strengthened by our trials and troubles, not (laughs) defeated or disqualified by them. Now, Father, please, let Your power and Your grace flow mightily at this altar Father, you know every need. You know those that are struggling in private. You know those that are facing something very public. But you have told us to come boldly before your throne of grace. You have opened wide your loving arms and have called us to come, believing, expecting. That you will touch us and you will strengthen us and you will heal us. You will be our burden bearer. Father, you know every need. As your people draw near to you, please draw near to them right now in a very powerful and very supernatural way. We need you. We need you. And we choose to put our trust and cry out to you. Father, may your will be done. Bless your dear ones. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, let's worship the Lord. Come and pray. Come and pray if you need the touch of God or need to wait on the Lord. Let's talk to Jesus.